welcome to another episode of Anime Gary Knows Everything, a podcast that comes out occasionally. A podcast about art, life, and the space in between. This week, we are joined by the magnificent Shelby Solon. She is a pal of mine. We were on our college improv team together. <laughs> Just thought I'd get ahead of that. She's super cool, super funny. She's so smart. She's a playwright. I've seen one of her shows. I loved it. I've never stopped thinking about it. Anyway, this week we're talking about representation of fatness in media, specifically TV and movies, uh, which kind of branches off into just a wider conversation about fat phobia and how our society, maybe not the greatest, consider that. This is definitely an overview into the topic, a little dip of the toe into the pond. There's a lot more to be said. This is just beginning of a discussion, and I hope we can all listener and podcaster combined uh, continue to explore these issues and really examine the media we consume outside of just this hour some change. A couple YouTube videos I'd recommend if you're interested. Uh, they're both from this channel called The Take, who they do a ton of just like TV, movie, analysis, pop culture, etc. Videos, a lot of great stuff on the channel. The two specifically that I think are related are why fat phobia is still a problem on screen funny fat girl trope explained. Those get a little bit more into specific examples in our TV and movies of these tropes. So there's that. I'm so excited to have Shelby on my podcast at long last. I was actually reminded of how urgent it was to have her on my show when I was listening to her on a different podcast, the wonderful podcast Getting Informed a leftist lit podcast with Colin Orton and Alice Groby. I have been on it a couple times, brag, um, but it's kind of like a leftist literature book club podcast. They pick a book, deal with it for weeks, months, however long it takes to really get through it. Um, and it's really good. So bonus recommendation up top, you should be listening to Getting Informed, a leftist lit podcast. Shelby's episodes are great. They're talking about this kind of bananas book. I forget the title right now, but it's basically why boomers are all sociopaths. Every single one of them. And it's like, dude, calm down. Um, I had a good breakfast this morning. Anyway, here's the episode. A few months ago, I was reading a book of poetry and it was all like nature poems. And then something clicked in me and I freaked out and I deleted Twitter and I haven't gotten back. <laughs> so yeah, that was I, good. I'm so upset that you've been gone. Um, <laughs> I would like was a little concerned that you were dead for a while, but I didn't want to ask if you were dead because that's kind of like <laughs> taste probably. But I was very I've been very concerned. Your presence is greatly missed. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, no one's actually brought that up yet. Um, sometimes I see my boyfriend on Twitter and I go, do you miss me on Twitter? And he goes, no. And I go, mm -hmm, okay. <laughs> no, I literally said to Colin, I think Anna deleted Twitter. And I'm really <laughs> upset about it. And I don't think that, I don't want to say that he didn't notice, but uh -huh. I just don't think it was like as um, earth shattering of a <laughs> <laughs> a realization for him. That's so funny. I did not know how chronically on Twitter I was that the second I left, it'd be noted and worrisome. Well, yeah, because you were like old faithful. You would like all of my tweets, and now I'm you down. Followers, so <laughs> it's painful. Sometimes I still have the urge. Like my brain makes a thought, and like that's a good tweet. Um, <laughs> sorry, there's a bug. I'm gonna kill it. Okay, it nailed it. <sighs> okay pivoting to kind of on topic where to begin where to begin <laughs> so representation of <laughs> fatness in in media how do we feel we think it's good <laughs> we think what's happening is good <laughs> i think it's improving mm -hmm. but like by centimeters not yeah. by anything i don't know i feel like it's kind of um oh, you're gonna have to bear with me because it's still early and my like intelligent brain isn't here yet i'm gonna be That's at fine. a lot of words <laughs> I, it's, it feels kind of dismissive to say that it's not improving that much because there are some some increasingly better representations mm -hmm. um, like shrill off the top of my head was a really good representation and a really affirming show for a lot of people but I don't know other than that it's it's a bit bleak out there yeah that that, that seems to be the general consensus of people who give a shit um I feel like our tradition right now that we're stuck in is very much, if we're going to have a fat person on screen, they are a side character and they fall into very specific tropes, which actually isn't like the great representation you may think. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of it is still fat characters with weight loss plot lines, like that's their whole deal. Mm -hmm. um, and in college, I wrote my senior thesis about um, weight loss plot lines. I'm sorry, my cats are probably going to be talking through. <laughs> um, I think he has zoom. Oh, yeah, he has zoomies. Um, but my thesis was about shows that center fat characters as main characters, but then make their whole plot line about their inability to lose weight mm -hmm. um and i specifically wrote about this is us and mike and molly about how these shows like literally make fat people main characters in ways that other shows don't but the whole the well, i wrote i focused on the pilots and the whole time they're just being demeaned and criticized for their weight mm -hmm. and in this kind of mode of self-hatred. 
Yeah, it seems like for so much of like TV movie history, if we are going to allow a fat person on screen, it's only acceptable if like they if them in character admits that that is like a f moral failing and that is something they are working to change. Like that is that seems to be one of the few ways we allow fat people to exist if like in character we make them say oh but it won't be for long like i'm going to change it yeah yeah they're kind of represented as like failed skinny people or mm -hmm. temporary versions of themselves and i think a lot of people even like people that might not consider themselves fat but aren't thin would consider themselves like a failed skinny person mm -hmm. or um or that like this body is just temporary because diet culture is so pervasive that a lot of our self-image rely i mean we're we're in the like peak time of it right now of like new year new me like mm -hmm. i have to get healthy and exercise and and do all these things to shrink myself um but you don't see those people represented that way in film or television. Like it's just fat people that are represented with diets and um, weight loss being the center of their universe. Mm -hmm. And it's very radical to believe that dieting and weight loss wouldn't be the center of a fat person's universe. I yeah. think for a lot of people that aren't fat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's um, like a very good part of Shrill and what a lot of people connected to that, like A.D. Bryant's character, Annie, is just her growth is not, oh, I need to change something like physical about myself. It's I've been fine this whole time. My body is great. It's other people that are the issue. And so like that increase in confidence without having to physically change something like is a very new um uh, like thing to be a driving force yeah and that shows interesting because the fat character of of annie is like the straight man like everyone around her is kind of crazy mm -hmm. at least in the way it's depicted and that's so rarely seen on television because usually the fat person is like i know or like is buying into the criticism of other people. But in that show, like she's suggested to get gastric bypass surgery. She's like, this is insane. Like doesn't yeah. anybody else see how insane this is? And it totally shed a light on how fat people walk through the world mm -hmm. of the shit that people say to us is, is just absolutely wild and to try to like stay sane a lot of the time or to i don't know develop your own identity outside of the things that people say to you throughout your whole life and it could even be from like doctors and people you trust it's it's really really difficult yeah it really seems like it's one of the last um like very stigmatized, uh, like just parts of a lot of people, a lot of people's lives, just part of being a person that is still 
like acceptable quote unquote in like our society at large like most people at least agree like racism is bad if you say they're doing something racist they're like no i'm not they know that's something to like strive away from but still like fat phobia is so entrenched and like a moral issue that yeah it's you'd think it'd be better but <laughs> it's not yeah it totally comes from this idea that your body is something that you have complete control over mm -hmm. and that to be fat is to be out of control and to to be like careless it's it it also is like the whole like there's kind of sins associated with it like greed and laziness mm -hmm. and we don't have like a really comprehensive public understanding of where fatness come comes from even though like that research is there we know that it's primarily genetic mm -hmm. but and and people wouldn't be like I, okay most people wouldn't would try not to criticize others for other genetic things that they can't control yeah but weight is is complete it's like the last completely socially acceptable thing to mm. criticize about someone yeah and like you were saying our association with making fatness like a moral failing a moral bankruptcy does really show up in our media like there is a trope of like the fat villain and making them so like morally bankrupt and just obviously terrible that we as an audience are supposed to have no empathy for them and so like if that is the only that character you see on screen and they're evil like of course that's not going to bode well for when you go out into the world and like how you see the people around you yeah and the funny thing is the first thing that comes to mind with that is like ursula mm -hmm. <laughs> the little mermaid and that was my favorite character growing up and i don't know <laughs> like i don't know if i can really psychoanalyze my like four-year-old self to be like why was she my favorite character but i think that like while we get the short end of the stick there's something I don't need, I don't want to say validating. It's not validating by any means, but sometimes being the outcast can be more interesting. So it's a little bit mm -hmm. of a diverse, it's a little bit of a hot take that I'm not totally mad about being the villain if it means that like the character is really interesting or yeah. and, um, but at the same time, there's no reason we can't have fat ingenues you know, yeah. there's, there's room for both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I have heard a lot about the stereotypical, like coded gay villain, especially in like Disney stuff. That's a whole big thing. But then I don't think I've really picked up on the fact that we do that with 
like fat characters too um and that it's just like a shorthand to signify like greed gluttony like all this stuff um yeah it, yeah <laughs> I, I mean i think too i'm thinking of like now that we're kind of talking about disney movies i'm thinking about like pocahontas and i forget mm -hmm. what the um <laughs> what the mean guy who's the guy that like has the pug i know exactly who you're talking about i don't know his name he's like on my little list of characters i did not bother to look up his name i was like i don't care what the colonizer from pocahontas is named like we know who we're talking about yeah he um he's like another fat character from pocahontas off the top of my head that like mm -hmm. falls into the kind of historical idea that we have about fatness of like oh well during i don't know colonizer peasant times like all of the royalty and all of the wealthy people were fat and it was because that they could access food and were probably like very gluttonous mm -hmm. and i feel like that idea is still very pervasive it, I, like i i feel like everybody learned that in like fifth grade and then latched on <laughs> yeah in addition, one character that feels particularly egregious that I definitely was exposed to at a young age was uh, the Austin Powers Gold Member movie. Oh my God, yeah. Right? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely a child when I first saw that. Um, and I don't, I'm, I doubt it did anything good for me. <laughs> yeah, same. Oh my God, I watched that movie so so much and i kind of like erased it from my brain but lately i've been thinking about like what how did why did my parents my parents really just let me watch whatever <laughs> i wanted i watched the sopranos when it was first airing with my mom and she would just like put my head under the blanket if a sex scene came on that's funny <laughs> yeah. i saw mean girls in theaters when I was like max eight years old, whenever that movie came out, <laughs> my mom dropped the ball on that one. She did not realize what that movie was going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It was a kind of a different time, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, but that one feels particularly egregious to me because we're not dealing with a fat actor, we're dealing with Mike Myers in a fat suit and the whole character is just the most like gnarly gross like sexually aggressive guy and you're like he's a real stinker you can't like separate his all, all of the terrible traits about him from his fatness like it is it's completely intertwined and you just there's you you can't you can't like even look at his actions outside of his fatness which kind of reminds me of like the trump era and everyone criticizing trump's body as like an extension of all of the abhorrent things about him and 
it's like hey I, I don't know like hey liberals that's actually not the hot take that you think it is. yeah <laughs> like i know you think you're being so smart right now for criticizing the president but actually you're doing it in a very harmful way like there are so many legitimate moral failings on his part like his body is not one of them that has nothing to do with anything else like all the reasons that he sucks like and then to have like that austin powers character named fat bastard like i get it's a comedy <laughs> and like what a name to give a character but like really that's what we're going to do when like linking fatness and like being awful is already so intrinsic to like give the character just like up up that name uh, yeah and so much of that those movies are satire it's unclear where the satire lies in that character like yeah like who who is that representing who is that a parody of like we we get the parody of the you know like 60s mod international yeah. spy we get the parody of the villain but I don't know where the pit like the comedy in that is just that he is fat and disgusting. Yeah. There isn't any other analysis there in the ways that there that it's it's layered in for other characters. Yeah, it definitely it feels like what is the simplest thing we could do? Like who is easy to make fun of? There. That's our new character. That's our like big fail-in comic relief for this movie. Yeah, the early 2000s were really a cesspit for <laughs> like fat representation and fat suits. And mm -hmm. it was looking back such a horrendous time to grow up, you know, as a child, like, reckoning with your own body and rejecting like my so much of my child and young adulthood was like rejecting the idea that I was fat because look at the like those are what fat people are I can't possibly be associated with them and then having to familiarize myself with the term and like really reclaim it and make it okay because I the depictions that I had seen of fat people were like, of course, I wouldn't want to be that way. It's almost like propaganda. Like mm -hmm. everyone I see is, is as a fat person is terrible. Why would I want to be like them? Yeah. It's yeah. It's like looking back, it's really, really, it's just really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel so bad for children. Life is so hard and they're so little and they shouldn't have to deal with all that so young. And yet. Oh yeah. And adults just make it so much harder. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say like a core memory, but something that really stuck out to me as a child was this story from the Tyra Banks show where she decides to like 
put on a fat suit and then go out to the studio audience and then they all boo her. And that I think was supposed to be progressive for the time. <laughs> and that was like, that was pitched to me as like, uh, see, like America does hate fat people, but Tyra Banks is somehow fixing that by this weird stunt. Yeah, uh, the difference is Tyra Banks gets to take off a fat suit at the end of the day and go back to being a wildly wealthy supermodel and fat people don't get to take off our bodies at the end of the day and we still get treated like shit all the time. Yeah, and I, I, fat suits are, they're wild. It's... I remember watching New Girl for the first time in its entirety, like over the beginning of the pandemic. And then it got to like Schmidt's backstory is like, oh, he was fat growing up. He was fat in college, but now he's not. And like all these flashbacks with him in a fat suit. And I was like, really? We're still doing this? And I don't know like when that show was on the air, but I just, I guess that was me being naive that we'd all agreed that that wasn't actually a charming thing to do. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's still so present in mm-hmm. our media. I mean, like the show Insatiable, when did that come out? Maybe 2017, mm-hmm. 2018? Is that the Debbie Reynolds one? Yeah. Um, yeah. I forgot that happened. <laughs> Yeah, she wears a fat suit and that. It's not even a good one. Like, it's not even, she doesn't even look, like, realistically fat, so they failed. Um, But I remember that coming out and people bending over backwards to um, justify it and to say that, like, like, you just need to watch it and, and, like, give it a chance. Why? Like, you I I don't I it it fat suits can't be compared to anything else in like mm-hmm. fat suits can't be compared to blackface because there's such there's so many levels of racism that come along with blackface and like a a I don't know a tradition within our society and it seems like fat suits are kind I actually don't know much about the history of them, but they feel more recent. I don't know. Um, So it's hard to like try to compare that to anything similar, but it's just, I don't know. Like it's, it's still very, very offensive. Yeah. And um, I feel like the most notable example at least like in my experience is what they do with monica uh on friends how like she has that same backstory oh she used to be fat but now she's not anymore and look now she has control of her life now she can have a romantic relationship like all this stuff and to see that like so clearly like picked up and put in another sitcom like 15, 20 years later, it's, uh, it's just sad that that same thing has been carried over. And it feels like a total lack of progress. And 
it feeds into the trope of like reformed fat people are okay. Yeah. You know, we can, we can support and, and root for characters that aren't flawed anymore in that way. Mm -hmm. But what presently fat characters aren't okay and they should constantly be in search of reformation yeah and now and like if we have these characters that have had like a big weight loss that's always a good thing and we always need to see them like we need to see that that's still important to them to stay at this like new size for them and like it just feels egregious in friends and new girl like these flashback scenes with these skinny actors in fat suits because it just it feels always like the joke is oh they're fat isn't that funny isn't that inherently funny it's not necessarily like the writing or anything it's they're fat they're too big for stuff they're like obsessed with food and like in those two shows they are so like amped up goofy and like naive and stupid to a degree where like it feels intentional like the implicit message is like aren't they dumb for being happy while fat like isn't that kind of dumb of them and that's distressing yeah i mean it's kind of the opposite of shrill where like she's the straight man and all of it and everyone mm-hmm. around her is crazy it's the the fat person is is crazy for being happy or liking themselves and everyone around them is correct and everyone yeah. around them is justified mm-hmm. and the like the idea that there's inherent comedy in fatness is the laziest thing yeah. i've ever heard Uh, like if you as a writer and a fat person if you are a writer that puts that into whatever you're writing you suck and you're lazy (laughs) you're and you should reconsider your career because yeah (laughs) it's so uninteresting like as a thin person your body is not the most interesting thing about you so why is my body the most interesting or compelling thing about me and whether it's bigger and whether it's smaller like it's we really need to be thinking about it in those terms of like is this actually interesting to talk about 99% of the time no it's not yeah like we let we've decided as a culture that like skinny people are our neutral body so then like anything diverting from that has to be the topic of conversation has to be the characters like whole deal the whole plot and not even like scientifically true yeah like what we've come to accept is just what's been shown to us 68 percent of american women are size 14 and above Mm -hmm. but we'll never there will never be like a common understanding of that because that is not what's projected to us like there's a it's this kind of aspirational person that's projected to us through tv and film and whatever else that 
we have this totally skewed idea of what is normal and it's really not. Yeah. I like found so much in like the few articles I was reading and like a couple like analysis, just culture analysis videos that I don't know. It's just very interesting how there is supposed to be that dichotomy between like the normal body, quote unquote, and then the fat body. Or like if we look at like our country, if we look at reality, like it's way more common <laughs> to be fat than it is to be super like movie star skinny. So like why have we pushed like what we allow as acceptable and normal like so far to one end? Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess it just continues to come from a really perpetual misunderstanding of how fatness exists and how, mm -hmm. um, like why people are fat, because I think people always, I think humans are inherently curious and we want to look for patterns and we want to look for correlations and we will do that even to the most detrimental degree just to help make it make sense to us hmm. and the reality is that fatness is more intrinsically linked to your ancestors experiences with food than your own like yeah. if my family hundreds of years ago or like multiple generations ago was experiencing starvation then their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren are going to be genetically more predisposed to keep weight on because evolution and biology told their genetic system hey we need we're we need to respond to this external circumstance, which is that we're not getting enough food, we're not getting enough nutrients. So we're going to change that for, you know, for the future. And that could be why I'm the size that I am, why anybody is. It's not just that my actions today completely and I'm not saying that they don't, but my actions today completely dominate at like my whole physical being because there's so much else that is that impacts it yeah like it is literally like physical in the way that our dna is not as set in stone as we once thought like our genetics is not done it can change over your lifetime based on your life experiences and then like that alters your genetics which then passes on like it is a much more complicated issue than we like to think because we'd rather just blame people as opposed to saying as opposed to having like a nuanced conversation or like one backed up by recent research yeah because no one wants to believe like the, like recent research about fatness is so fringe in the grand scheme of things that mm -hmm. people want to see it as like pseudoscience yeah which is such a shame because a lot of times like I say 
I'm not a, a scholar by any means, but I read a lot about this stuff and I try to stay as up to date as I can. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have to, I would have to try to explain these things to a physician because they don't yeah. fucking care. Yeah. Like they're still using BMI, which is eugenics, by the way. Yeah. I, when I really learned like the root of BMI and that it's nonsense, I was like, oh, that's com not, I wouldn't say it's common knowledge, but that knowledge is readily available and we're still doing this. Like this is still accepted medical practice. 100%. And it was, part of it was for like insurance companies. Like it has no medical value. Yeah. And it's like a bit frightening that a lot of medicine relies on things with that are outdated with no medical value. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm really upset because I'm coming off like anti-doctors and anti-medicine, but I'm I'm really not. I just wish that there was more of a universal understanding of newer research regarding fatness like yeah. i think all doctors should be anti-diet and like fat accept acceptance oriented like a fat person shouldn't walk into the doctor's office stressed about being criticized for their weight which is a universal experience mm -hmm. um, but i'm not like anti-western medicine <laughs> i'm not or anything but like i think there's room for improvement yeah because not only like is that doctors not meeting like so many of their patients with basic human decency it's also outdated like the the science like you should be nice to people because it's good to be nice to people and everyone deserves fair medical treatment but also through your own biases and like entrenched fat phobia, you are not giving people like legitimate care. Like that is getting in the way of people's medical treatment. Yeah, 100%. And care is not one size fits all. And what works for me um, might not work for someone else. And like, we should never be, no two patients should be treated as as like homogenous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like thinking back to what you were saying earlier that like the joke of something being, oh, they're fat, that's funny. Just being like outdated and done to death. Like it's a shame that I feel like that has to, like that is a helpful lens to put things through because people seem to be unable to have basic human compassion. It's like, okay, let's not, let's get like being a decent person out of the way. From a writing standpoint, it's lazy. Like, it's a shame. It's yeah. like having to look at every like moral issue and having to be like, okay, if you don't wanna be a good person, fine, let's forget that. From a capitalism standpoint, we're losing money being mean to people. But like, if yeah, that, literally. if that opens someone's mind a little bit, like we can do that, but it sucks that yeah, that seems I'm, like that's 
so where the conversation is. Plus size women are like, why don't you want our money? Like yeah. we are such a big part of the population. Like why, if you're driven by profit, why don't you want our money? And it comes down it comes down to fat phobia and it just, and it also comes down to a kind of structural inability to know how to deal with fat bodies. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, we can't just take a size zero shirt and make it bigger. We actually have to like refit the measurements and, and like do work. Well, that's too hard. So obviously we can't do that. Like it's, a literal top-down inability to understand fat bodies. Yeah, and it seems like to actually cater to fat people and, like, just the basic, like, representation, clothing, whatever, would be to maybe cut into like the diet culture market a little bit and god forbid we ever do that because diets like make so much money and that's the only thing they do and it seems like we've decided like as a society that's where fat people's money should go and so that's all we're going to give them and it's really insidious because i as we've kind of established like the discourse around bodies and fatness has changed, Mm -hmm. but systemically, I don't feel that a lot has changed. So like the whole body positive movement has been, you know, kind of co-opted by like, well, everyone should be body positive and not acknowledging that like fat black women and disabled people were the pioneers of the body positive movement Mm -hmm. um and what's insidious about like diet culture's role in all of this is that it's like a chameleon and it's adapted to the 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 public climate of the discourse Mm -hmm. and now it's not like overtly weight loss driven it's like wellness driven and wellness has become a cover for weight loss so like we Mm. products like noom which is just diets but they put intuitive eating in their ads so if you're someone who is like sick of dieting and wants to start looking into intuitive eating what's the first thing that comes up when you google it noom Mm. um weight watchers has rebranded to ww wow okay brown (laughs) and their whole thing is that they're like wellness focused and they rolled this out within probably the same year that they tried to roll out a um weight loss app for children oh no yeah there i literally saw that and cried like it was Uh so dramatic to me because I started dieting when I was four. Oh my God. So the like lifelong trauma that comes with that is just pretty, pretty like, I don't know. It, it's kind of pervades like every part of your life. And the fact that 
Weight Watchers finally was like, you know what? We are not making enough money off the children hating themselves. Like we've got the, we've got the adult market, but, <laughs> but we need those kids too. And they ended up scrapping it. They didn't do it. <laughs> did um, it come out or did they, they just like announce that it was coming? They announced it uh-huh. and then it never happened because the backlash Good. was in- because what fucking child needs like a my fitness pal app no like no you one eating, eating disorders yeah and no I everyone my fitness pal in high school like it's that's bad that's <laughs> that's like my hot take it's <laughs> you know everyone i've ever heard like personally and just like out in the world who's ever used my fitness pal has come away traumatized like that's not helpful and like it i feel like at best at best you'll walk away unscathed and nothing will have changed at worst like you will not leave with a good relationship to food or your body assuming you were ever lucky enough to have one in the first place yeah exactly yeah it's really dangerous and I don't know. So much of nutrition is new. Like mm-hmm. we just started really exploring nutrition in the sixties. And I feel like people took the, the bare minimum of like nutrition research and ran with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's, we're not actually well-educated on on like the ideas of nutrition and it's just like what's easy and convenient and marketable yeah what is the simplest version of this that i can learn which i feel like for most people stops at oh it's just calories in calories out and that's it and it's like okay well if that was true why don't diets work like 95 something percent of the time if it's so simple why doesn't it work like yeah and that's it's it'll come down to like people will respond to that with like well people just aren't cut out for it they just can't don't care they just don't Mm -hmm. like want to see results long term like i'm built different (laughs) everyone thinks that they're the exception to the rule when it comes writing and that like well it's gonna work for me this time last time it did because i did I don't know, Mediterranean diet, but this time I'm going to do keto and that'll be different. Like every time it has to be different and there has to be a level of, of, um, kind of self-criticism of like, well, I fucked up that time. It was my fault. It didn't work before, but this time I'm going to do it right. And newsflash it doesn't work. Yeah. Like if it was, if it was your fault, 95% of diets wouldn't be failures. Like if it was your fault, it might just be you, but it's not like, and like from everything I've read about like diets, um, if you're doing like some fad diet and happen to lose a little weight, as soon as you stop the fad diet, like, it goes back and then it leads to like an on and off dieting, like gaining, losing weight thing, which also is not good for you to like dramatically each going back and forth all the time. No, not at all. And I think 
it's, I think it's the statistic is like 99% of people that experience significant weight loss, probably like greater than let's say 50 pounds will gain it back within five years. Yeah. Now that kind of leaves out people that like might fluctuate 10, 15, 20 pounds here and there, which is probably like less harsh on your system. Yeah. But you're pretty much statistically guaranteed to gain all the weight back if you, if you lose a significant amount of weight. Yeah. Um, which should be enough information for people, but it's, it's not when you've got like a, I think I saw a statistic that in 20, 2019, maybe the diet industry was worth like $78 billion. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure like all industries under capitalism in this pandemic, it has skyrocketed. I'm sure the profits have increased significantly because everyone is so vulnerable right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a shame that as a culture, we insist on shaming people and demeaning them for like things that aren't their fault, just their body, the way things are. When, especially when we know, like, not only do diets not work, shame does not work. Being mean to people does not, is not good for them in any way. Like, you're not helping by that. Yeah, it's not a motivator. No. <laughs> it is, or not. It's, yeah. What else? What else? Um, yeah, I keep thinking about like how it's so. What the? I mean, the fat liberation movement was founded to be hand in hand with the disability movement, and uh-huh. that like, like fat and fat workers deserve accommodations, and which is like, I think a radical idea to a lot of people. The idea that like a fat worker deserves a chair that will like not hurt their body and sustain their weight would probably cause so much ridicule. Absolutely. Um, But they're both, like the relationship between disability rights and fat liberation has to exist under the umbrella of capitalism because Uh like so like society actively works to dispel or I guess expel disabled people from public spaces and it functions similarly for fat people so Uh that there's really no choice but to be exiled from society like society on purpose develops to exclude you mm-hmm. because you're not a, you're if you can't like perform under capitalism at like the peak extent then you shouldn't be included in the society that we've built yeah i was just i read uh lindy west's 
uh, memoir uh, shrill of which the TV show is like loosely based off of. Mm -hmm. Um, In one chapter, she's talking about her experience uh, on planes and how just from like a basic, uh, just very basic, like she bought a plane ticket so she should be able to have a seat on the plane that is not that like she can easily fit into and have a comfortable time and not have people be assholes to her on the plane because of it. But that like to say that is something that brought her like so much hate and so much vitriol and like the kind of death threats and rape threats that it seems like she's been getting throughout her career as soon as she was publicly seen as like a fat woman who didn't hate herself. It's yeah. (laughs) I don't know. That's how I feel. Just like a a defeated sigh. Like you're really going to send someone a death threat because they said, Hey, like, I think my ass should fit in the plane seat. The plane seat that I bought, like what? (laughs) At like an inflated price. Yeah. (sighs) Ugh, infuriating. Yeah, there's a whole uh, chapter in her book about how this guy who had been like trolling her and just saying the most horrific stuff for a long time, culminating in him making a Twitter account pretending to be her recently deceased father and saying like, I hate my daughter, Lindy, she sucks, which is insanely fucked up. How this guy ended up like, emailing her and apologizing and he's like i'm sorry i don't know what's wrong with me like i saw you being fat and not hating yourself and i couldn't deal with that because like i am fatter than i feel comfortable with and so then i decided to take that out on you and they ended up doing like a whole interview conversation on this american life which i'm interested to listen to but she just like wrote about all that in her book and i don't know where this is going i just think that's crazy that that happened so if only all trolls eventually like establish that level of self-awareness the world would probably be a better place oh absolutely um, and i hopefully terrifying. pretending to be her what dead father is that yeah what that's insane yeah that is- <sighs> i hope that he gets the help that he needs me too. I hope that all trolls get the help that they need. Yeah, and that's what she comes back to. And she's like, I mean, when I'm looking this guy in the face, like, I wasn't trying to forgive him, but like, I guess I did in a way because I'm like too tired to still be angry. And obviously, I can see that he is a very hurt person. And that's why he's lashing out like that. And like, I think that can be said for most like trolls. Like, either they are very hurt inside or they're like 12 and they think that's edgy. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they grow out of it quietly if they're not doing, if they're not growing out of it loudly. But I mean, ultimately she was just baffled that this guy came forward to her at all. Cause that never happens. Yeah. That, that's just like unfathomable. Yeah. It, yeah. I listened to her audiobook that she narrates. It was very good. <laughs> Yeah, I need to, I actually, this is, guys don't at me for this, but I did <laughs> not read the Shrill book. 
and I haven't finished the show yet but sometimes I have to like put off a TV that I know is going to be affecting to me because I'm just like not ready to feel that like I waited to watch I may destroy you until like two weeks ago it it was it was intense, but I felt, I felt that there was a lot of buildup around it. And I was like very scared that it was going to be like really difficult to watch. And uh-huh. of course parts of it were, but I think that this is like kind of a bad self-preservation <laughs> technique that I've <laughs> established recently is to uh-huh. like wait to watch things that are like acclaimed or that I know will be emotionally charged because I want to be in like the perfect space to receive them yeah I don't know that like actually exists yeah I I also waited a long time to watch I May Destroy You and that being said I watched the first episode and then I said you know what I think I should keep waiting I don't think I was actually ready for that and I have not watched it again I don't know if I'll ever go back I'm glad it exists as a work of media. I don't know if I can watch it. And that's fine. <laughs> that's the, that's just like what you have to chalk something up to is like, yeah. I am glad this exists and I want it to keep existing, but it can't be for me right now or possibly ever. Like it's, it's yeah. just, I don't know. I feel like some, and this is kind of a result of the fact that there is such little media that depicts marginalized people in a like authentic way Uh that you feel a sense of guilt when you don't watch something that is I don't know that is featuring marginalized people or I don't know how else to describe it but it's like I feel like I need to engage with this because I want it to stay alive yes might not be in the place where I can you know engage with it yeah like I want to prove that no you should keep making stuff like this there is a market for it see I'm here I care but also maybe I can't (laughs) maybe I I can't handle it right now but I I want to show up as an audience member because then if they're like oh this diverse thing failed obviously we shouldn't make diverse things anymore. You're like, no, that was on me. I should have, if I'd only seen it, if I'd only streamed it on Netflix, th- this wouldn't be happening, which like, you can't get into like the personal blame stuff on that kind of scale, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's easy to fall into it. Absolutely. If I yeah. just substitute one succession episode for something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I would change the world. <laughs> Man. I any other like obviously there's a million things to talk about that could go on. There's a lot of discussion to be had, but anything else you want to get in on this recording? Hmm. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of anything that like we glaringly didn't address. Yeah, I Um, feel like all in conversation, it's, you just have to keep learning and 
reading and I don't know it feels like there's not a ceiling to what you can like learn about this stuff so it's Uh just refreshing to talk about it and I don't know keep the conversation going yeah I feel like ultimately like this is a jumping off point hopefully people are already like having these kinds of kinds of conversations and like examining the media they consume like thoughtfully and through this lens um but if not you should start um (laughs) consider this your jumping off point um because uh media is very powerful whether we like to think about it or not um the example i always go back to is top gun the navy recruitment rates went up like 500 percent after top gun came out after the military propaganda navy movie came out all the little boys were like, I want to be a Navy pilot. I want to be Tom Cruise. And they all went to the Navy. <laughs> like, uh, so this stuff matters. Podcast episode of the freaking military's influence on media. You know, that's a biggie. We'll, we'll have to come back to that one. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird thing to just drop and run away from at the very end. But I just bring that up to say, like, this stuff matters and whether you realize it or not like the tv and movies we watch like greatly influence and kind of establish culture and how we feel about ourselves and those around us so we need to have more compassionate representations and just representations in general of like all kinds of marginalized folks if we want to like keep moving ahead societally yeah and i think the biggest the like biggest jumping off point for that because like fat media on a really commercial scale isn't super prevalent or super Mm -hmm. accessible all the time but diversifying your social media feeds with people that don't Mm -hmm. look like you is the first step to opening yourself up to those things Like if you're looking at white cis women that are like a size four on vacation all the time, guess what? You're probably going to feel like shit about yourself. Like you need to do the work to diversify your own feed and to engage with people that don't look like you or your friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, that's, that's, that's kind of like, that was my jumping off point for, I was looking for representation of myself, but then I started falling into people that are bigger than me or smaller than me and how having their perspectives in my daily media diet was really impactful to me mm-hmm. and kind of brought me self-acceptance in a way that I might not have originally like planned or, or known was possible. Yeah. And that that reminds me of something else uh, Wendy West said in her book that like a big part of her her, um, like coming to accept her body and just being fat was just looking up like pictures of fat people, like being on that kind of like Tumblr internet space to help kind of desensitize herself from like snap judgments and disapproval 
because just like it really makes a difference um to like be seeing people that do not look like you or even like do look like you and that being okay and them being allowed to be happy and exist it really kind of like breaks down some stuff and like it's kind of sad that like her like as a fat person like that is what it took her like to realize that like at least partially realize that it's okay and like look at all these people that are alive maybe like i don't have to hate myself yeah and recontextualizing fatness in terms of like history and art is i think also another step um there's this really good instagram account called fat art history mm -hmm. and they post artwork of bodies like all over the like spectrum of fatness or like just like larger bodies in general and it's surprising how throughout history fat bodies have been depicted in art but like widely ignored at least in very mainstream I don't know if you took an art history class in college you probably didn't see any fat bodies in it mm -hmm. it was like a slightly voluptuous greek statue but things like that are really important and really cool projects to i don't know consider are there any other um like accounts you recommend or just any work of art you've been into lately that the people should get into I have a resolution for something I want to read this year that I want to recommend. This book that you can buy in PDF form for like, it might have been like $8, which is not bad yeah. as far as books go. Um, but it's called Fearing the Black Body, The Racial mm. or Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strings. Um, I really want to read that in the coming months. I think it came out in like 2019. That's something I'm really looking forward to reading in a not like fat politics oriented turn. I'm currently reading Pittsburgh and the Great Steel Strike of 1919. I'm from oh. I'm like very interested in in like dipping my toes into labor history. I really know nothing about it because I went to public school and we didn't really, <laughs> but that's really cool too. Awesome. I'm watching the Witcher right now. So I don't know. I, I don't, it's, it's fun. It's nice to put on in the background when I'm playing Sims. I keep getting pitched the Witcher last time. It was an earnest plea that I should watch it because Henry Cavill's so hot. And I was like, is he? And I was like, that's not, doing what you think it is for me. I feel like radically neutral towards Henry Cavill. I'm sure he's lovely. I just don't care. Back to his vocal coach because he talks like this. Oh, he's Batmaning it? <laughs> yeah, he's totally Bruce Wayne in this show. <laughs> and I wish he was just talking like a normal pitch. Um, he's, he's not the hottest person on the show. That's just what I'm gonna Ooh. say. Listen, you know what, that, it makes me more interested in the show than anything else I've heard. Big boobs on the show. <laughs> no, <So, laughs> you're into that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, I right. hate that I 
said that because I literally like the first episode, the first like five minutes, there are nude women and the show was created by a woman. And I was like, what, what are we doing? It's 2021. Why do we have a bunch of titties out in like the first five minutes of this episode? And then time marched on and I got a little bit more okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my recommendation this week, I definitely say check out uh, Shrill, both the book and the TV show if you have not already. Full disclosure, I've only watched season one of the show, not because I didn't like it, I loved it. I just finished season one and then I kind of forgot it existed. That's what I always do. I drop shows like a hot potato and then I don't come back. I don't know why I do it. I do it all the time though. Um, but the book's very good. I got the free audiobook from the library. It was readily available. The whole thing was like six or seven hours and then I listened to it at one and a half speed got it done even quicker. So definitely check those out. Other than that, I was I would recommend the new Elena Ferrante book. Um, it's a collection of four essays, but actually it's not out yet. It comes out in March. I just got early access to it because I work at a bookstore and I said, please, can I have it? And then <laughs> Europa editions were like, sure. And then they mailed me an advanced copy of it. <laughs> Look at you. That's very impressive. Right? I feel like such a fancy little lady with my early copies of books. I love it. So when that comes out, um, y'all should read it. It's called In the Margins. Um, <laughs> it's great. Um, but like something anyone could watch today, I'd have to recommend the one season show, Zach Stone is Gonna Be Famous. It, Bo Burnham co-created it and stars in it. And it's just you heard of this. Is it recent? No, it's from 2013. Uh, it's from oh, 2013. It might have seen like clips from it. But, yeah. Okay. There's only 12 episodes. They're all like 20 minutes a piece. It was on MTV. And he's just basically this shitty high schooler, freshly graduated high school. All his friends are going to college. He's not. So he freaks out and is like, I'm going to hire a TV crew and they're going to film me all the time. And I'm going to be famous, actually. And he just sucks, but it's it's so funny and it's so good. And if you're yearning for more Bo Burnham content, I think they like just put it on Netflix so we can all watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm yearning for more Bo Burnham content. Anywhere people can find you on the internet if you would like to be found? Yeah, I would like to be found at my Twitter, which is at Shelby Sola. You can also find me on Instagram there. And I did for a while have a plus size Instagram presence, but I haven't been posting there. It's like, it's just a weird time for social media. I don't really get dressed anymore, but you can find uh -huh. me there at Shelby Plus and like, you know, look into the archives. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, someone has to go start liking Shelby's tweets. If I'm not doing it, somebody's got to go pick up my slack. <laughs> literally it's people are letting my tweets flop anna oh. you never would have let my tweets she's in her flop era oh no in, no 2022 is about exiting my flop era i've been in my <laughs> era for two years and i am ready to whatever the opposite of flop is bounce <laughs> <laughs>